not at the track? The Hot Pass Racing Network puts you at the track with ARCA and all the major NASCAR series. From Daytona to the final checkered flag, the Hot Pass Racing Network is your inside pass. All right, everyone. And we're now joined by Ryan Blaney, driver of the number 12 Team Penske Ford. If you have a question for Ryan, please raise your hand. We will get a microphone to you. We're going to start with Lee. Lee Spencer, CatchFence.com. Last year, your teammate Troy Logano won Las Vegas, and, I mean, they just – focus completely on Phoenix. How important is that race to determining, you know, your future in the in the postseason? Strat, okay. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, that's huge. I mean, you know, just having that prep time for two weeks, nothing else on your mind. Like you said, Joey was able to do it uh, with that group last year, and, and you saw what happened. So, it's a huge advantage. I think Larson did it the year before. I think he won the first race of the round eight and just gives you so much more prep time for that race and uh, just all you're thinking about. So, yeah, that's a big one. Um, obviously, everyone's gunning to do it, uh, try to win that one and, and move on. But, yeah, massive. it was massive for our group last year, and it will be the same big advantage for any group if you know a playoff car was to win next week at Vegas. No, I think Vegas has been a good good place for us in the past. I feel like it's been one of our best tracks as like an organization. Um, something we, whatever we do in general as a group kind of works for that place and, and hopefully applies this year. All right, we'll go to Dustin Long. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Uh, Ryan, even with the win last week, when you reset the points, there's a good chance you're probably going to be the, the bottom half of, of the group going in because of the few playoff points. So how does that impact decision-making and things and how you guys look at, at this weekend? Does there become a point where it's worth to risk one or two stage points for the five or the other, or to give up the chance for five potentially, especially with stage breaks back in as opposed to you could have run it straight through as in the last couple road courses? Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes it hard for us when we get to the next round, being not having tons of playoff points like, you know, the 24 group or, you know, 19 or the 5 half. Um, yeah, that, that definitely makes it tough, and it shows you that running well throughout the regular season, you know, pays dividends. We weren't able to get very good points throughout those, uh, you know, races through the year. But, you know, still, at the end of the day, you try to – run as good as you can, try to win a race in that round, and, and all that stuff kind of goes away. So it just puts you in a little bit worse spot than a couple guys, but, you know, you understand that even going into the playoffs where your playoff points stand and kind of where you stack up around your other cars that you're racing and adjust accordingly. So uh, we don't really dwell on that stuff too much. That stuff kind of is what it is. But this weekend, obviously, it's in our spot. Can you win a stage? Yes, great. Stay out and win the stage, get a playoff point. If you're going to run second, just come in and flip it, you know, and try to set yourself up for the next stage or for the end of the race to try to win and get five playoff points. So it uh, makes the call on this race a little bit easier for us. Uh, and, yeah, and you try to yeah, you try to take advantage of 
be able to call it that way uh, to try to help your your playoff point situation. And and one other thing is you've you've talked in the past about last year's round of eight, and you've put things that happened on your shoulders. Um, to have the opportunity to go back a year later, what does it mean to be back in that position and to not have the same issues that happened last year that, in your mind, feel like mm-hmm. cost you a chance at Phoenix? Yeah, I mean, it definitely did. Uh, driver-related mistakes last year in the round eight cost us a chance to go in there, and uh, you just hope to learn from that stuff. And if you're in the same position, try to just think about it a little bit more differently, a little bit differently, and um, what what can you do to alter that outcome, you know, and not put yourself in a bind like that. And, uh, and hopefully you're running well enough to be able to, you know, like we were last year, to, to be in those spots again. And, you know, having a shot to win at Vegas last year like we had, um, you know, trying to think about the bigger picture and not get caught up kind of in that moment and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it just when you make mistakes like that, you hope you learn from them. It's important to move on from them, but you have to learn from them first. And it's nice to be able to have another go at it here in the round eight and, and see if we can uh, do a little bit better job this time. All right, we're going to come up front to Mike Hembree and then go back to Stephen Conley. Mike Hembree, <clears throat> excuse me, Auto Week. Uh, Ryan, are you are you good with this race staying on the Roval long term? And how do you feel about uh, two road courses in the playoffs next year? Uh, yeah, this you know this race. Um, I think it's our fifth year doing it, and uh, I feel like everyone's gotten a good idea of it. Uh, it's it's kind of odd now because the oval's gotten so good. You know, it's uh, it was you know a handful of years ago. This was probably one of the worst mile and a halfs that we had on the schedule, just as far as the track raceability. And and now I feel like it's one of the raciest, personally, of being able to use all the lanes and it's whatever. However, it's aged right now. It's kind of like at its great point. And uh, we've seen it the last couple of years and, and puts on good shows in the 600. And, um, you know, so I think there's some big decisions that need to be made that are above my pay grade uh, of what you want to do with this race. Um, you know, do you go back to the oval here at some point? Or do you keep this one? Um, and, yeah, two road courses in the playoffs. You know, the Glenn being in there, I didn't see that one coming personally. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. We have two super speedways. We have two road courses now in the playoffs. So it's just getting – a little bit more uh, unique racetracks that, that they keep throwing in here. Let's go to Stephen Conley in the middle. Steve Conley, the podium finish. Um, Ryan, I want to go back to last week, and uh, we watched the video that was put up on, on Twitter about uh, with your final five laps and Josh Williams calling that. A lot of information that went through there. I'm curious about how much of that information you actually process or you taking in and how many of those moves, maybe the move for the win actually was on you compared to what he was telling you. Yeah, I mean, I I might be biased, but I think Josh is one of the best guys out there, especially when it comes to speedway racing, um, you know, as far as giving me information and not only giving a lot of information, but giving useful information, right, and stuff that matters and that I can apply or just lets me know what's around me and then kind of you know it's a fine line of you know there's there's occasions where he is relaying me stuff and I we've worked together for so long I can tell maybe in the urgency of his voice that he is telling me to do something without telling me to do it and I can kind of apply that or sometimes you know a lot of times he just kind of lets 
leaves it up to me and just giving me information on what's available and, and what's coming at me. So, um, yeah, that was that was that was neat to see someone put that video out there because it shows how much work spotters do and how much uh, communication goes on, especially at those tracks and really in those moments coming down to the end of those races. And uh, and yeah, he was, I mean, obviously big at, at getting us through there and, and figuring out a way to try to win the race. And um, yeah, Josh does a great job. And uh, I, I feel like it's almost like you know those uh, those places you don't have time to get the information think about it process it and like do it like you're just you're just doing it as it's coming to you and you're making your own decisions on what to do and sometimes they're the right decisions sometimes they're not but you know it's just having that information that the driver can use it's almost just like a little guy on your shoulder you know and it's like your subconscious just reeling through and it's and your actions are, are going off of that so um there's just no time to like think about all that stuff you're just doing it instinctually and uh and those spotters up there they're just giving you information that's just kind of in the back of your head that you can apply or not and speaking of speedways so with the schedule next year daytona then to atlanta um what are your thoughts on that kind of two speedway style races or is atlanta starting to age enough to where it's losing that feel uh i don't think atlanta is going to lose any of that super speedway two by two drafting sense i mean i could be wrong um but as long as you have low horsepower tall spoilers on them it's going to be a super speedway race and drafting and stuff like that so that's uh, uh that was interesting that they fired off the playoffs like that but uh nothing we can do about it we have no say in the matter so i guess the fans wanted to see pack racing and that's what we're going to give them all right we're tight on time we only have time for one more question left we're going to go to jordan bianchi Jordan Bianchi, The Athletic, uh, you know, last week you won at Talladega, the week before you had the issue on pit road speeding, right? So I'm, not, I'm curious when a driver like yourself has that problem at Texas, are you going into Talladega, like thinking about that of more motivation of, hey, I, I messed up last week, now I need to, I kind of put the team on my back and, and overcome that? Is that any consideration at all at any point throughout that weekend? Um, yeah, I mean, when it's a, like a driver mistake and you are the only one responsible for that mistake right you yeah you feel obligated to hey i got to make up for it you know you don't want to don't want to make these mistakes and then you know just have it kind of dwell on you so yeah i think you're i think that's anything like if you make a mistake or something you're like all right i'm gonna make up for it you know i'm gonna if you you know make your friend upset right by doing something missing their birthday party hey i'm gonna throw you another one you know because you feel bad about it and you want to make up for it and be a, a good friend or a, a good you know good driver for your team right so i think that's that's those are the best ways to kind of make up for it but it i won't say that motivated me like that didn't motivate me any more than i would have going into talladega um but you know personally to me it's like you know hey you have an opportunity to make up for this mistake and let's apply it but i wasn't like extra motivated you know that like we got to go win this race i have to show what i can do it's just you want to make up for that stuff but uh, at the same time you just do your job was there any communication to the team of like, hey, guys, I got this. Like, I screwed up last week, but I'm going to pick us up this week or anything like that? Or is it just, you know, go about your business and do your thing? I mean, I think our group does a good job of just understanding the work that's ahead of you and the spot that you're in and going and, and accomplishing your goal and doing your job the best that you can. And I think that's any anybody. If I make a mistake, if we make a mistake on pit road, you know, you know whether it's a slow hang, you know, change your messes up. Right, they own it, and we you support them, you know, no matter what it is, right? And they they did the same to me. They supported me, and they picked me up after it, and accepted my apology. And and in their mind, 
you know, they said, you know, things happen, forget about it, let's go to work next week. And that's, that's really all you can do. So um, I think that's what makes a team uh, well is if you all can band together like that. And that's what makes one team. And uh, I think our group does a really good job with that. Okay, thank you. Ryan, thanks for joining us. At times like this, I think how lucky I am to be a NASCAR Winston Cup driver and how fortunate I am to have a great sponsor like Napa Auto Parts because Napa understands quality and value and the importance of having a friendly, knowledgeable staff. And it's at times like this, looking around at the empty grandstands and listening to the silence of pit road that I realize I'm at the wrong track. All right, now we've been joined by our Bushlight Poll winner for this weekend's Bank of America Roval 400, which is Tyler Reddick, driver of the number 45 Toyota for 2311 Racing. Tyler, congratulations on that poll win, coming at a good time headed into this weekend. Tell us a little bit about your team's outlook um, heading into tomorrow's race. Yeah, this is what we needed to do. Um, you know, we, we, we had hoped and, and put a lot of effort in, as, as all the playoff teams do, into this race. And, um, yeah, you know, the, the what would be, you know, I, I think for the most part, this is as good as outcome for the 45 as possible, right? And um, Bubba had a, a solid day as well. I know he obviously wanted to qualify a little better in the second round, but when you look at what both of us need to do um, tomorrow to hopefully get both of our cars in, um, we're taking the right steps in that direction. All right. We'll now go to questions for Tyler. If you have one, raise your hand. We'll work to get a mic to you. And who would like to kick us off with a question? All right. We'll start with Zach there in the corner. Zach Sterniello, NASCAR.com. Tyler, with you on the poll, um, uh, Bubba obviously uh, qualifying as well as he did. RFK back around the 19th, 20th spots. How conscious will you be of what RFK is doing throughout the course of this race? Um, and the six car specifically, um, knowing now that you have such an advantage on track position to start this race. I mean, maybe. You know, Billy could probably talk to you better about that than, than I could. You know, for me, my job's really simple, right? It's go out there and, and try to put together the best best lap possible in practice, get a read on the car, and um, see how it does in the long run, right? And then from there, it's getting a game plan for qualifying. So for me, you know, no matter how the race plays out, right, it's pretty simple for me. I just go out there and try and nail every corner, nail every lap, and if I have a mistake, minimize the time loss. I think that's... That's really all I got to focus on, right? You know, those are the things that Billy, um, my team, the other teams, they're going to be working on. You know, either depending on no matter what strategy we go with, right? My job doesn't change, so why even worry about it? I'm just going to go out there and do do laps and and try to keep the tires on it. You know, try to stay out of trouble. Um, it's pretty straightforward for me, honestly. It also seems like you've had uh, a good bit of confidence coming into this week. Where does that stem from, um, and, and why do you feel like um, this 45 team is where where you need it to be to uh, advance to the round of eight? Yeah, I mean, it's been there all year. Um, you know, we saw it. I, I noticed it right away at the beginning of the year going over to Toyota. You know, obviously, like I said, they weren't happy with their road course performance last year, um, and we made some huge improvements um, on that. And, I mean, it started off great at Coda, right? So... Um, for me, you know, yeah, you know, we got the speed. The teams have been working great. Um, you know, everyone at TRD, uh, our alliance with Joe Gibbs Racing, everyone's doing a great job right now. And week in and week out, all cars have a lot of speed. So that, that for me, is what's, what's been great to see. Um, I, I think, you know, we just, we just got to go manage this race now. Obviously, 
things can happen, um, cautions can fall, but uh, like I said, if I just stick to it, stick to the simple approach, we'll be in good shape. All right, Lee. LeeSpencerCatchFence.com, just curious about stage points. Are they critical tomorrow? I mean, is, is that, you know, a, short of a win? I mean, do you just sit there and try to bank as much as possible just in case something happens that's out of your control? Yeah, I mean, that is a, that is a scenario, right? Um, you know, like I said, I'm going to kind of leave that up to Billy and the, and the team, but, but certainly we've seen it, right? Uh, you look at last year's race, it, it was going to end a lot differently on points right before that caution came out, and then it really changed a lot of things for a lot of drivers and teams. So, yeah, you know, I'm going to leave that up to them. I think, you know, we're, uh, you know, I'll leave that up to those guys. I'm not really sticking into that. I'm staying in my lane, right, figuring out what I can improve as a driver, uh, what I can, um, where I can be more consistent, where can I take some less risks maybe. Um, honestly, I'm leaving it up to them for the most part. All right, any final questions? Okay, we'll go to Dustin. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Tyler, with uh, this restart zone, um, and I'm, I'm curious because it comes in a chicane and it, everybody says it'll spread the field out. Does this give you, as the leader, more options or more opportunity to kind of pull ahead of further ahead of people, further behind, not just the next row, but you know, row five, seven, eight, and just kind of further stretch out the field to where you have, in essence, fewer cars to kind of worry about as opposed to a mile and a half or a short track? I think up front um, it should, right? When you look at Indy, um, obviously the conditions at Chicago played a factor into that. But, um, yeah, with the different restart zones, you know, it's more you're worrying about one, maybe two cars, not like ten trying to fill the space of two. So that's the expectation, right? Um, we watch this race here in a little bit. We're going to learn quite a bit. Obviously, the Xfinity car is a little bit more grip limited, but um, you know the, the struggles that they'll face will be similar to what we'll face on uh, on Sunday. So this race will be pretty telling. But I, I more than anything, I kind of got the feeling that the control car is going to have a bigger advantage than it's had um, in years in years past here for sure. So um, obviously, the field's going to get flipped at times, and there's the potential that you're going to be running in further back in the pack and and maybe you have to restart there at some point yeah. uh, type of thing. It's going to be easy at the start with, with being the control car, so life's going to be wonderful. But if you're in row 5, row 7, row 8, or what have you, what is that? might that be like or what are the questions or concerns you have at least right now before seeing the Xfinity race? Yeah, it's unknown, right? Um, you know, when you think about it, it's just it could be as simple as vision, right? You know, visuals, you know, the – First car, first first row is going to know where they're at in the chicane. The second row is going to have a little bit harder time. Third, fourth row, you know, it's going to get to a point. I remember this at uh, the Daytona Road Course when we're going through the back chicane. You know, you just get to a point where you're in a line of cars so deep, you don't know where track limits are left or right. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Obviously, we don't have to worry about as much as Xfinity cars, but the Xfinity guys obviously have to be really careful of the stack-ups, knocking radiators out before they even make it to take the first lap. I think, obviously, as we've seen with this car, it's a little bit more resilient front and back, um, but still you can do damage to the front of the car, the back of the car, you know, wheel-to-wheel -wheel contact. I think the Xfinity cars are a little tougher, um, you know, a little more flex and things. You know, the Cup cars, they're strong, but wheel-to-wheel um, -wheel contact can bend stuff. So I think those are things you have to be aware of, just spatially aware. 
that's going to be a difficult thing. But uh, I, I think, you know, you're just going to have to play it, be, be smart, right? Because as soon as you leave the restart zone, it's fair game. People are going to be going for holes and gaps. So, um, yeah, just going into it with an open mind as a spectator today to see how this plays out to uh, give me some insight in tomorrow's race. All right. Any final questions? All right, Tyler, best of luck tomorrow. Appreciate you spending some time with us. All right. Thanks, guys. Start, John. I think microphones are coming. Go right up front here. Second row. John Newby, NBC Sports. Have you and Rudy had conversations about whether you're going to try to flip the stages or stay out and try to get points, especially with how chaotic the final stage was last year? For sure. I think the strategy has been a big topic this week. Um, you know, switching back to the stage breaks, I think that's going to bring in a new element, and we've got to see what this tire wears like with this tire um, at this racetrack. So definitely some questions on that. But, um, you know, I would assume or I know that our goal is just to, you know, obviously win the race, and, and then uh, if we can get a, you know, stage win or two would be would be nice. But you're kind of looking at a – you're really looking at a 40-point day as Max here. Okay, let's go next to Matt Weaver and then to Claire and then to Lee. Matt Weaver, Sports Knot. Um, you've had success with Atlanta, with New Atlanta. So with New Atlanta being added to the playoffs next year, do you kind of embrace the kind of unpredictability of that new first round, or is that something that you feel a little tenuous about? Yeah, definitely nervous about it. I mean, I've won two races there, and I've crashed out of the other two. So um, it's very hit or miss, and hopefully, you know, next year we can have two good races. Um, obviously, there'll be more emphasis going into those races next year. You know, this year when you went to Atlanta, great chance to get some points, but not, not really planning, uh, you know, outside of that. So it's um, definitely throws a wrench in the in the playoff format, you know, and I think that um, having two road courses as well, it's going to really put an emphasis on kind of your, to me, kind of the special teams races, you know, of, of uh, our season in the past. You know, road courses have typically been um, kind of an afterthought, you know, outside of this track, the Roval. So um, I think it's going to put an emphasis on those and um, obviously an emphasis on being good at Atlanta, which we already are, but we need to limit those DNFs. And then one kind of off-the-wall question, next week is the Winchester 400. And for people who have never been in that race like you have or, or seen it, what would you tell people about why that race is so challenging and so tough? Yeah, I mean, it's really a Bristol with uh, a lot more character and a lot lot more bumps and nicks in the wall. And you, you run up on, against the fence, you know, by the end of the race when the track rubbers in and um, the, the wall isn't very even, so it can really catch you uh, and, and catch you by surprise, and you can get into it and ruin your race. So it's uh, one of those races, and with mechanical things being an issue with those cars, you know, you, you really are testing the mechanical side of that car, the chassis, how much it flexes, if it can withstand the whole race. So it's a lot of man and machine, um, and I feel like, you know, we've lost that in the Cup Series, so it's, uh, it's cool to have a racetrack that really tests the cars. Next to Claire. Claire B. Lang, Sirius XM, NASCAR Radio. William, can you talk about qualifying and how important qualifying is? And as a driver, how you look at qualifying here 
in the yeah. playoffs? I mean, for us, it's important, but it's not the end all for us, um, just because of our position and being locked in. But it is important. You know, we want to get the pole for pride, really, and uh, try to set ourselves up for a good first stage. And um, but if we can be in the top ten, uh, it's great effort for us. And then. Uh, you know, if we can even be in the you know bottom teens, which I feel like we're capable of with our speed on road courses, um, you know that would be a nice nice goal as well. So, really, just kind of wait and see how how the racetrack is when we get out there. And um, you know, I think Group A is a slight disadvantage, um, but it should be okay. To your point, when there's no pressure on the line for qualifying, really, sometimes you can qualify better because. It, it, for some reason, the stress is relieved just a little bit or something, and then yeah. how tough is qualifying here? Like, what makes it hard? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's definitely going to be less stress, but uh, once we get to the racetrack, we're, you know, trying to win the race, so it'll be stress because of that, but uh, qualifying here is tough because you can lock up tires, miss corners, um, there's a lot of shifting, so it's um, it's tough to get it all right. You know, I feel like you can hit nine out of um, 90% of the track, right, and missed 10%, and that can be worth two, three tenths. So um, last year I looked at my qualifying, qualified second here, and um, I just missed a little bit um, in seven, eight, nine, and the back chicane, and that was worth you know two and a half tenths. So had a great lap going up until that point. So it's um, definitely a tough place. Thanks, Kula. Go next to Lee Spencer. Um. First of all, it's a kind of a two-part question. Having won at Texas, how much confidence does that give you going to Las Vegas, which could be the pivotal race um, in the next round? Yeah, it's definitely the pivotal race because, as we've seen, I mean, if you can win that race in advance, you give yourself a, a good chance to prepare for Phoenix. Um, so with winning Texas, we've given ourselves a couple weeks to prepare for Vegas. I feel like all that stuff has checked out pretty good. I think our setup is, is strong there, and um, we've made some good decisions, and we've had time to, to really decide and go to the simulator and um, figure out what we want to race there. So we'll get a chance to kind of make sure we're on the right track uh, when we run this week and, and kind of run through our teammate setups. But um, so far, so good there. And, uh, yeah, the, the history there has been good for us winning the race this, earlier this year. And, um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to win there just because – you know, you won't have to stress near as much. That being said, you know, Paul Wolf said that was the race because, as you said, it gives you plenty of time to prepare for Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Do you see somebody who had, like, an inconsistent – has someone in the field, you know, along with – because you, you're locked in Blaney, uh, Denny Omos. But is mm -hmm. there somebody who's like a Logano just kind of waiting in the weeds that could, you know, just pull out that win and advance it? we might not be thinking of somebody that's off our radar right now. I don't know. I mean, I'm not really worried too much about the other people in the playoffs. I think for us it's just trying to focus on what we do best, and um, I'm not trying to rank guys or, or try to figure out who's who's got what, but we'll certainly see when everyone unloads off the truck at, at Vegas what they have, and you kind of adjust from there. Um, you know, typically you can see with – lap averages and um you know then it's all about picker execution driver execution and um so unloading fast off the truck with a good balance is one of the three and then i think uh you really test the the race team to to figure out the other two you know how the driver contributes and how the picker contributes so i don't know last year was very unpredictable i feel like this year it's a little more set in stone who's fast but um 
I would say any of the eight that make it are probably well qualified to, to win there. Mm -hmm. Go next to Jordan Bianchi. Jordan Bianchi, the athletic, kind of piggybacking off of Lee's question, when you look at that next round, not only Vegas, but Homestead, Martinsville, three tracks you've had success on, this team has been pretty consistently fast on, how are you feeling entering this round? You know, I would say good. Um, I would say the most good about the beginning of the round because um, we obviously had a dominant race there, scored max points in the spring, and, um, you know, just were a top two car, us in, in the five. Um, and then I think as the round trickles down, I think the the end of the round I'm a little bit more apprehensive about because of how we ran in the spring at, at Martinsville. We had a we had an issue there with the clutch, but um, we were not super competitive there. We were great in practice, but not in the race. So um, I feel confident in all the tracks, but I would say less confident as the round goes. Um, so hopefully over the course of the next two, three weeks, I can kind of gain some confidence and uh, gain some certainty in, in what we have there. But um, I would say Vegas and Homestead are, are definitely really good tracks for us. When you look at how you guys have ran and kind of assuming that you're going to continue to run well and looking at the fact that you've got all these kind of bonus points and you're going to have a little bit more of a safety net than some other guys, are you feeling yeah. like, I don't want to say it's easy, but is your mm. path to Phoenix and the championship four relatively straightforward in your mind? It's definitely us against ourselves. You know, I feel like it's it's us executing races. It's us putting together good performances, top five performances that we know we're capable of. Um, but, but yeah, that being said, the, the points are really close. So, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I haven't really looked a lot past uh, Vegas. So I think, honestly, I've, I've thought a lot about this weekend right now, and then Vegas has really been a focus for us. And then we've got a little bit of homestead trickling in uh, as we get prepared for that. But it's, it's really hard with this deal to, to really not uh, just think week to week. All right, we have time for one final question. We're going to go to Bruce. Anytime you get to a cutoff race, there's going to be some aggressive drivers that are need to race their way in or point their way in. And there's some, you know, you got Chastain, you got Keselowski, you got Bubba. So at any point in the race, are you concerned that their aggression level may be up and that it could take out somebody, you know, that's not even involved in the in the situation? Mm, no, I mean I I just match the aggression, so I don't I don't really care. I'm I'm just going out there to race and uh, try to win, and uh, yeah, if they try to move me, they'll they'll probably get it back. And also uh, uh, looking ahead to next year, there will be two road courses in the playoffs. So with Watkins Glen being added, how do you feel about that? Do you think that's a good representation of the ten races to have two road course events? You know, I think selfishly for us, it the those road courses have been good for us, so um, kind of excited to see Watkins Glen in there um, after this year, and I think that'll translate uh, into next year. But yeah, I mean, I think um, it's definitely different. You know, it's just the I feel like road courses have been important for us for a while, and uh, they're just gaining more and more importance as we get them later in the season. So um, there was talk about this going back to the Oval, and um, you know. Having another roval, I think, will just uh, put more importance on your road course program. All right. Thank you, William. Cool. And good luck this thank weekend. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Matt Nordby with NASCAR Communications. Appreciate you joining us today to discuss the 2024 NASCAR National Series schedules. We're joined today by NASCAR Senior Vice President of Racing Development and Strategy, Ben Kennedy. 
And uh, with that, we'll go ahead and get things started. Ben, I'll kick it off with you, and then we'll open up the, uh, the room to questions. But can you walk us through the highlights of the 24 schedule? We have, you know, another new venue, obviously, was announced yesterday with Iowa Speedway. But what are some of the other highlights uh, that, that you can sort of touch on before we get into questions? Great. Yeah, thank you, Matt. And first of all, um, welcome to everyone. Thank you um, not only for being here today, but for covering our sport um, throughout the year. Appreciate all that you guys do day in and day out. Uh, another exciting day. Um, I know we all have a, a lot of anticipation around schedule announcement today, uh, but exciting day as we announce the 2024 schedule and, you know, another great blend um, as we think about some of the new markets that we're going to be returning to, um, a new track that a lot of our fans have been asking for for a long time, um, and then a lot of historic racetracks that we get to celebrate as well. So, um, first and foremost, on the 2024 schedule, I think the most talked about one so far is Iowa Speedway. I had the opportunity to go to Des Moines yesterday and uh, meet with Governor Reynolds. Rusty Wallace was there. Brad Keselowski was there. And, uh, and make the announcement for the first time And what will be our 76-year history. We'll be going to Iowa Speedway. So um, really excited to be bringing our Cup Series there as well as the Xfinity Series and Arthur Menard Series. Um, it's been four years since we've had the chance um, to go to Iowa Speedway, I guess five years next year um, with one of our national series. And I think it's going to put on a great racing product. Um, frankly, I think it's going to be a good blend between what we've seen um, on short tracks and intermediate style racing, which has been really strong with the next gen car. Um, and it's something that our fans have been asking for for a long time. So I think it's going to look like an amazing crowd. I'm sure camping will be really strong there be a great way to kick off NBC's portion of the season. In addition to that, we've already made um, a handful of other announcements. We'll be returning to the Bushlight Clash at the Coliseum, which will again be on Big Fox on February 4th. In addition to that, we're going to have our NASCAR Mexico Series joining us for the first time at that event. Um, so really excited to see um, the NASCAR Mexico Series joining us on Sunday, which I think is going to be a great addition um, and a lot of crossover between um, you know, having some of our Mexico drivers come to Los Angeles uh, and be in the spotlight in downtown Los Angeles and a huge market for us. So it'd be great to um, unofficially kick off our season with an exhibition race at the Clash of the Coliseum. We'll be returning to the Chicago Street Race um, for our second annual year. And, um, you know, unfortunately, we had some weather this year. I'm, I'm excited about what next year is going to look like. We had a lot of things, unfortunately, weren't able to um, do this year as it relates to some of the concerts and other activities. Um, knock on wood, the weather will be um, a lot better and will look like it does outside today and be able to get some great racing in. So um, obviously a, a huge staple in Temple as you think about our 2023 schedule and be great to be back here in Chicago. And then on top of that, um, we'll be returning to North Wilkesboro for the All-Star Race, an iconic and historic racetrack. Atlanta will be um, moving to the second slot for its spring date after Daytona 500, and then we'll help kick off our playoffs uh, as the very first race um, once we go into the playoffs. And then, you know, to that end, a little bit of a shakeup in the playoff schedule. You know, now that we've seen how the playoffs have, um, have um, you know, shaken out the past couple of years, we wanted to introduce a little bit of, of variety and innovation to it with introducing Atlanta to that very first race in the playoffs, Watkins Glen right after it, um, Bristol night race in that round of 16 to help close us out. 
And then Kansas moving to the round of 12. And as you think about the round of 16 and round of 12 in particular, um, and the variability and diversity of the tracks, you know, we have some of the best drivers in the world. And to be able to see um, them on short tracks, um, intermediate tracks, super speedways, and road courses, um, I can tell you as a fan, is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and then last but not least, we'll be heading to um, Phoenix Raceway for our championship again as we crown all three of our National Series champions. Tremendous. Thanks for the overview, overview Ben. Uh, we'll now go to the media for questions. As a reminder, please use uh, your hand-raising function within Zoom. And then when you're called upon, please state your name and your affiliation before asking your question. With that, we'll start with uh, Bob Pockers. Yeah, Ben, thanks for being on with us. Um, I'm curious, uh, obviously, it seemed like that Iowa was a little bit late addition in the sense of that you couldn't get Montreal done. So I'm curious, A, if that's accurate, and then B, are you still in pursuit of Montreal? And if you do get that done for future years, what does that do with Iowa? Thank you. Thanks, Bob. Um, and enjoy the the tweeting or, um, I guess, ex-posting that we had going there um, for a little bit earlier today. Um, you know, but Iowa Speedway was something that we've talked about for quite a while. Um, you know, this is something that we've been hearing from our fans for a long time, um, and Iowa in particular, that we want to see a cup race there. So, unfortunately, had to take a bit of a hiatus um, over the past few years with COVID um, for their Xfinity Series and Truck Series, but felt like it was important for us to get back to Iowa Speedway. And then as we think about um, international venues in general, we still are bullish about um, finding our way either north of the border, um, whether that be in Montreal or Toronto or another market or south of the border um, down into Mexico. You know, as we've mentioned in the past, we want to bring our NASCAR Cup Series there at some point. We think it's important for us um, to get outside of the United States um, with our series in some way, shape or form. So that's something we're going to keep our pulse on as we think about 2025 and beyond. But, you know, as we've mentioned in the past, timing is always critical to a lot of these moves. We want to make sure that the market's ready for um, the NASCAR Cup Series as the timing makes sense for the industry and the sport. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to move in that direction at some point. All right, we'll move on to Dustin Long. Uh, thank you, Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Hey, Ben, I know you talked a little bit about uh, the playoffs in Atlanta opening up, but you've got with Atlanta a drafting track, Talladega a drafting track. In the past, you hadn't put two drafting tracks in the playoffs. That's certainly 20% of, of the playoffs. Why was Atlanta in there, or was that as much of a carrot to Atlanta to moving its spring date to Atlanta up to, to the uh, February date where the weather's a little bit more of a, a potential issue for its spring event? Yeah, so a number of things as we think about the movement of the Atlanta dates. Um, you know, I think for starters, as you think about the spring date, um, you know, Daytona 500 is our biggest event of the year, and we carry a lot of momentum in the early part of our season. And with seeing how Atlanta has played out over the past couple of years from a racing product perspective, um, you know, obviously we want to see how it um, it both started and evolved after the repave. And after seeing several races play out at Atlanta, um, felt like it made sense to move it into that second slot after Daytona. Um, it was a natural fit for us, seeing that we're not re returning to Auto Club next year. As we think about heading to the West Coast Swing in Vegas and Phoenix, 
And then introducing it to the playoffs um, was kind of a myriad of things. Again, the racing products and what we've seen so far, um, the positive fan sentiment that we've seen around, um, you know, what it looks like on track. And then, you know, we felt like it was an opportunity to introduce a little bit of variety to the schedule um, in the playoffs. So, you know, introducing a drafting style track like Atlanta to the round of 16 to follow it up with Watkins Glen. And then the Bristol night race is really going to test um, the the variability of our drivers and their skills as they think about punching their ticket to the round of 12. So um, something that we wanted to do that was a little bit different and um, and shake it up a bit. Also, at, at one point, there was a little bit of rumblings about Rockingham. And obviously things have been, you know, some build, building up there. Was there any conversations or any interest? Or if you put a race in Rockingham, is it going back to the issues 15, 20 years ago, there's a race in Rockingham, there's a race in Darlington, there's a race in Charlotte, that is you're, you're flooding the market and that there really is no place for Rockingham and NASCAR in the future. No, there's, um, you know, I, I think as we think about the schedule, we, we have had conversations with all sorts of different track owners, um, venue promoters, cities, um, you know, around the world. We've had conversations um, with the folks with Rockingham as well. And, um, you know, it's something that we certainly keep on the radar, as is a number of other um, facilities. So, you know, it's something we do want to be um, mindful of. You know, we have North Wilkesboro, we have a race at Charlotte, we have a race, um, a couple of races at Darlington and Martinsville. We do have a lot of races in that part um, of the country. That said, it's also a really important part of the country for us. So, um, what the future looks like as we think about that region in particular um, is yet to be seen, but, um, you know, we're going to keep our pulse on, um, you know, all tracks and venues that are out there. Thank you. All right, let's go to Heather Williams. Hey, Ben, uh, Heather Williams from WCYB in Bristol. I had a specific question about the spring date in Bristol. Uh, given the history and when it's been in March with the weather, rain, and, and sometimes even snow being an issue, how much does that history play into when you're moving a date back to, like, May or March in this instance? Yeah, so, um, you know, it's a great question. And uh, Bristol in particular is something that we have considered quite a bit. You know, it moving off of Easter Sunday and then moving from dirt back to concrete is certainly a big change, but date is also um, an important element of that. And as you think about our schedule and if you want to bookend it from President's Day weekend um, or February 4th for the clash all the way to our championship race, which is, um, you know, the second week of November now. Um, you know, it is a bit of a challenge as we think about trying to find dates in the February and March windows. Um, naturally, we don't have a ton of racetracks that we can race at in Florida or um, the southern part of the country where it's a little bit warmer in February and March. Uh, so we do have to stay mindful of it. You know, that said, um, you know, we feel like, um, you know, having Bristol that time of year will uh, will make a lot of sense. And coming out of the West Coast Swing, um, you know, heading back to Bristol, Martinsville, and then Richmond on Easter, you know, those have always been um, somewhat close to each other and have some date equity around it. So we didn't want to move them too far from their current homes. All right, we'll go to Matt Weaver next. Hey, man, Matt Weaver, Sports Knot. Um, with Bristol kind of moving back to the two concrete dates, have you guys closed the door entirely on dirt racing as being part of the identity, whether it's a temporary track or a more permanent track too? 
We haven't, no. Um, you know, we're uh, we're certainly open to dirt racing, whether it be with our Cup Series, Xfinity Series, or Craftsman Truck Series. Something we're going to continue to consider. Um, you know, that said, I think after we've um, you know seen racing on the dirt at Bristol play out for the past few years, um, and hearing some of the the fan feedback, we felt like it was an opportunity for us to shake things up a bit, move back to the concrete surface in the spring. And, um, and and move back to all asphalt and concrete tracks for 24. I think that said, as we think about, um, you know, what the future looks like, you know, dirt racing does have a unique place in motorsports. Um, you think of a lot of our drivers, they came from dirt racing. Uh, you think of some of the best racing um, that I've personally seen, it's, it's on dirt. So um, do I think there's going to be a dirt race sometime in the future? I think so what that track looks like or what the time is, um, you know, we'll, we'll see, but uh, it's something we're going to keep our pulse on for sure. And, you know, I think similar to, um, you know, some of these unique styles of tracks like street courses, um, if it does come back on the schedule, I don't think it's going to be something where we have, you know, 15 different dirt tracks. I, I think it might be one or two that we would have throughout the year and really make it something special. And then, you know, the last two weeks, we've talked about the wild card round and the playoffs and how uh, treacherous it can be for teams to navigate that. And then next year, we're basically going to have two wild card rounds. Is there any hesitation or reservation towards uh, what that does from like a sporting standpoint? Um, no, not really. Um, you know, I think as we think about both the round of, I'm assuming the round of 16 and round of 12 that, that you're mentioning and Atlanta coming into the playoffs, you know, it's something that we've talked about quite a bit, um, you know, internally, and we, we've debated as a scheduling team. Certainly competition has weighed in, um, and, you know, we've had conversations with with teams around what this could look like. Um, it's certainly that something that we hold, um, you know, very dear to us is making sure that the quality of the, the racing product and the parity is really strong. Um, you know, that said, I do think Atlanta races like a plate track, um, but you also have a lot of comers and goers and, and you need to have a, a good driver and a fast car to be competitive there as well. So, um, you know, I think adding it to the round of 16 is going to be exciting. Having Watkins Glen there is going to test the driver's skill. And then, you know, Bristol is an iconic racetrack for us. So, um, having, you know, uh, an Atlanta race in the round of 16 and, um, Talladega in the round of 12, I think is going to be really exciting for our fans to see. Thank you. All right, just a reminder as we move forward to uh, when you ask your question, state your name and affiliation. We'll move on to Jeff Gluck. Hey, Jeff Gluck from The Athletic. Um, the Darlington-Daytona shift, I know for it, it's largely in part because the, the two-week break, obviously, but so is it a given that those will move back to the positions that you had them in following this, or are you still, is that still up in the air, not guaranteed that they'll return to their spots? Uh, it's up in the air. Uh, you know, I've um, I've really enjoyed Daytona as a regular season cutoff race, um, you know, for us over the past few years. I think it's been exciting. It's been unpredictable. It's created a lot of storylines. Um, next year, with us taking two weeks during the Olympics and naturally moving the end of our season back one week, um, shifts that. Uh, and we had a lot of conversations about, does Daytona continue to stay as a regular season and do you swap it with Darlington? Um, we felt like Darlington on Labor Day weekend um, and being that race is something that's core to, to us and something that's special to our fans. 
So it's something we want to keep in place and, and really test out as we think about for, for 2024, seeing that it is a little bit different. Um, I know that 25 is, is going to look different. Um, you know, naturally, we'll be in our new meteorites agreements. It won't be Olympic year. So I think the schedule overall will have um, a lot of variability to it as we think about 25. Um, does that mean we'll be back at Daytona? Potentially. Um, does that mean Daytona is a regular season cutoff race? Potentially. So um, we're going to look at, at all scenarios. And, um, you know, part of it will also be looking at, uh, you know, seeing how D Darlington is as a cutoff race for the regular season. All right. Thank you. Okay. Let's move on to Ron Snyder. Hi, this is Ron at WNEP in Scranton near the Poconos. I had two questions on the Poconos. One, a lot of people here since I've been here keep mentioning the fact that they're, you know, frustrated that there's not two races anymore. So my question for you about that is how do you balance you're making the new schedule going in new markets like Iowa, but obviously still respecting the tradition of, of somewhere like this? And then the second part I wanted to know about is what effect you think having the race here at Pocono a week earlier will do in terms of attendance and how you consider all that? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question and I appreciate it. And it's, it's a balancing act, right? So we want to continue to be bold and innovative and introduce new, new, uh, new venues to schedule like a Chicago street course at LA Coliseum or Nashville or circuit in the Americas. Um, that said, unfortunately we can't add um, new races to the schedule. So um, every time we add a new date, it has to come from somewhere else. Um, so as we think about schedule variability, uh, and getting to some of these new markets, naturally, we do have to make some of those difficult decisions. Um, but I think that said, if you if you looked at Pocono this year, I didn't have the chance to go, but I looked at some of the aerial shots of it. It looked amazing. I mean, the crowd and the grandstands, the camping was unbelievable. Um, it was great to see the amount of people that turned out for the event. Um, the race was fun to watch. And, um, you know, I think having it, even though it's not on the same exact weekend close to its weekend that they had this year, um, I, I think helps keep a little bit of data equity. And it's a lot of conversations that we've had with Nick Igdalski and the group um, is they really love that middle part of July and having some equity around it. So we wanted to try to protect that as much as we could. All right, we'll go to Jordan Bianchi. Jordan Bianchi, The Athletic. Uh, ben, Looking at the schedule and kind of what the Daytona and Darlington uh, uh, flip, if you will, uh, how much consideration was given to having a midweek race or a doubleheader during the regular season to accommodate maybe for keeping Daytona as the regular season finale? And then, you know, why did that work if you guys were seriously considering that? Yeah, so we've um, we've talked a lot about that. Um, we've talked about midweek races. We've had conversations about doubleheaders. Um, I can't tell you how many scenarios we went through. We ended up with uh, our 24th version of the schedule. It was uh, scenario B of 24. So um, there are a number of different variations that we go through as we think about building the schedule. And, and those were some of our considerations, right? And we got to see a lot of that play out, especially during COVID and 2021. Um, you know, that said, we felt like it was in our best interest um, to try to keep most of our races on Saturday nights or Sundays. Um, you know, as we've mentioned in the past, a lot of our fans are accustomed to tuning into races on Sunday afternoons. Um, we see some of our strongest um, ratings and viewership and attendance on Sunday afternoons. So we felt like it's important um, to really protect that, um, you know, as we think about 2024. So 
Does it mean that it looks a little bit different on 24 schedule? It does. Um, you know, I think as we said, we're going to continue to test and iterate. Is the schedule ever going to be perfect? It's not. It's going to be a journey for us. But I think um, seeing how Darlington plays off as a regular season finale, Atlanta and Watkins Glen in the playoffs, introducing some of that innovation just gives us more data as we think about building out new schedules. And then what is something about the schedule that you really wanted to see implemented this year that you weren't able to? Um, that's a good question. I, I'm I'm pretty happy with it. Um, you know, you think about a lot of the highlights, um, you know, to be able to go back to Indianapolis on the Oval for their 30th anniversary, something that we've actually talked about for quite a while to be able to um, do that is going to be special to be back here in Chicago is going to be amazing. Um, you know, the event this year was unprecedented in a lot of ways, including our winner. And to be able to come back next year um, is is going to be another temple event for us. Um, so I'm really excited about it. I was going to be another great addition. I have every expectation it's going to be a sold out crowd. The camping's going to look amazing there. Uh, I think the racing product's going to be strong. So. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how the, the 24 schedule plays out. All right, we'll go to Greg Engel next. Hey, Ben, congratulations. Um, yeah, I'm glad we finally got it. Uh, looking at Chicago, great race. Uh, can't wait to go back. But you had to give up some concessions. The city said um, you agreed to shorten the event setup and tear down and also committed to addressing costs incurred by city departments, you know, we had a new government there, um, and there was a little bit of pushback, but, hey, you're going back, and that's the bottom line. Did they kind of have you over, you know, kind of over a barrel, so to speak, in terms of uh, because it's a new administration? And how tough were those negotiations till you finally were able to, to you know, pull the trigger and say we're coming back? No, you know, I, I think as we've mentioned around, um, you know, July 1st and 2nd of this year is we had every intention of us going back um, to Chicago for 2024. And it's great to officially um, be able to announce the dates for that next year. And, you know, those are our conversations that we've had, um, you know, so with the, the Johnson administration um, coming into office, we've had a great relationship and a really open dialogue with him and his entire team. And they've been nothing but fantastic um, to work with um, since May of this year. So we look forward to uh, to continuing to have those conversations and uh, and what the next few years are going to look like. And, you know, we're still really bullish on this event and, you know, what it means to the NASCAR community in the sense of creating a street race in a huge market like Chicago for us. Um, but importantly, what this means um, for Chicago, and we want this to be a positive event for the city of Chicago, something that Chicagoans are proud of. Um, and, you know, part of that comes on what happens on Saturday and Sunday of that race weekend. Part of that also comes with, um, you know, road closures and park closures and some of the other um, things that we're doing in communities, whether that's STEM or STEAM initiatives uh, and a handful of other things. So, um, you know, we're really um, proud of the work that Julie Giese and the team has done here this year. Um, but bullish about what the, the next few years look like in Chicago. And a quick mention of the media rights. They'll obviously come into play next year. Do, do, do your TV partners and broadcast partners uh, put a lot more pressure, like maybe next year, to, to maybe do some things with the schedule that you felt a little freer to do with this year, or it doesn't matter? Um, you know, the, our broadcast partners are fantastic um, between Fox and NBC, and it's a it's a really collaborative process with them. And 
you know, as you think about the layout of the schedule, um, you know, a lot of that is driven from our conversations with them and programming and times, whether it's an afternoon race, a primetime race, a Saturday night race, um, where a lot of our windows are. So, you know, they certainly have a very big voice at the table. Um, that said, we also have a lot of voices um, to hear from. So our fans are probably number one on that list. Broadcast partners are high on the list. Our teams and drivers are high on the list. Um, our partners are high on the list. So there are a lot of folks um, that are certainly weighing in as we think about these scheduling changes. And, you know, it's incumbent upon us to take in all that data and information and feedback, try to make the best calculated decisions as we think about um, rolling out the next schedule. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Uh, we will have to wrap here, but Ben, thanks for all the time. And, and again, uh, thanks for all the hard work over the last year pulling together another dynamic schedule. Um, it's really good stuff. And all the media, appreciate you joining us. Thanks for the coverage um, of the sport. And, of course, see you all out at Charlotte this weekend. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great day.